Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast into the week of February 5th, 2023, and the fifth Sunday after Epiphany. We're continuing the Sermon on the Mount this week, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Let me tell you why y'all are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. Y'all are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. The word of the Lord. All right, so we are obviously picking up where we left off last week, and there were several phrases this week in this text that stood out to me. Uh, the first being the first line that Jesus says here, let me tell you why y'all are here. And of course, Jesus is addressing the crowd here. So uh, I use the phrase y'all because it's expressing the plural form of the, of the word you in the text. But I love how the message opens up with this phrase, let me tell you why y'all are here. When, when I was in high school many years ago, uh, I was on my way uh, to to mentor someone. I was a part of a peer assistance leadership program where we would go uh, each week and mentor elementary and middle schoolers. And so I was on my way to see uh, my pal and I'm pulling out of our high school parking lot and I noticed that the car that was coming in as I was turning left does a really quick U-turn behind me and starts following me as I'm going to sort of the main road off from where our high school was. And this car is like riding my tail. And so I'm looking in my mirror and I notice that it's the principal of the school. And she thought, she thought I had pulled out in front of her as she was like turning in. I'm not really sure why that would have made any difference because I was turning left and she was turning right uh, into the school. And, but she trails me for like three miles and she was trying to figure out who who I was. And she did. She, she knew who I was. And so later that day, uh, I get a call into, um, into my class uh, saying that I needed to go see uh, Miss Zachary. So I, I go into her office and she, I, she's like points at the chair and I sit down and she goes, do you know why you're here? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, of course I did. I said, yes, of course. Uh, but that phrase in that moment will always stand out to me. Do you know why you're here? And Jesus asks, uh, he doesn't ask, but he, he says, let me tell you why y'all are here. And for some reason, that story uh, stood out for me because I'm not really sure if we, if we really think about the question or if we really think about maybe what Jesus is inviting this community that he's, he's teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount, it seems like a, maybe a really simplistic question, uh, but it's actually pretty profound. Do you know why you're here? And Jesus is saying, hey, let me, I'm going to tell you something like what it means to be here, what it means to be human. Uh, and then he uses 
the metaphors of salt and light in order to do this. Why are you here? I'm not, if we get down to it, I'm not sure there's a more important question. Than, you are here, which means you are not not here. And I think it's, it's interesting to, to contemplate this both at a personal level and a communal level, and especially in light of a text like this in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, what, is being, what does it mean to be salt and light as a beloved community, particularly in light of what we've talked about the last few weeks? You know, if it's not about some kind of Western imperialist Christian consciousness, it's not about imitating uh, good behaviors or imitating Jesus, it's not about evangelism. This we talked two weeks ago about the the fishers of men text, if you remember that, and how that text is often used to, you know, say something along the lines of um, missionary endeavors and to to go out there and evangelize or to convert people to Christianity or to save people. Um, and this text is fairly similar. Uh, you know, go out there, be be light in the world, be salt in the world. Uh, even how this uh, the message puts this text. You know, God is. Uh, not a secret to be kept. Okay, go out there, you know, and preach or whatever. Um, so, what is it to be salt and light? What is it to understand your hereness? Uh, if it's not something about just moral behavior change, you know, it's not just about some sort of ethical transformation. You know, Rohr calls, calls this uh, muscular Christianity. And so, you know, here's what we know so far. So, Jesus is gathering this community. He's teaching. Um, and he's gathering uh, a community beyond this of transformation of hearts and minds, what we would call the kingdom of God, not empire, which includes the poor, the peacemakers, things we talked about last week, the hungry, the lowly. We know a couple of weeks ago he called Simon and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> Simon and Andrew to be, to be fishers, and we at Mission Hills on that Sunday, we spoke about the nature of consciousness in general, what Jesus is, uh, one of his primary invitations is into a new consciousness, something like one that understands that everything is already given by God without distinction. And the new consciousness doesn't follow these, these uh, sort of cultural distinctions and binaries of clean and unclean, pure and impure, male or female, etc. But it turns society's honor system upside down, so much so that it's counterintuitive then and if we think about it today, much of it is counterintuitive to our consciousness that is ultimately valuing uh, security, happiness, success, outward validation. And we saw that last week's text ends with kind of the, not, it's not a glorification of persecution. Uh, like so many, so many evangelical or Western Christians uh, derive pleasure from thinking that they're persecuted, which gives them an unconscious sense of superiority and an inflated ego. But Jesus is talking about a, a kind of consciousness that is focused on belovedness and wholeness. And in, the, in this consciousness, there's no space for fear. There's no need for external validation because he's calling the community to live out of an abundance of love. We see this in the next chapter when Jesus says, look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down by a job description, careless in the care of God. That is a new consciousness. That is radically counterintuitive to the way we live and move in the world today. Careless in the care of God. Uh, I can't say that for me. So we can even return to the question that we talked about uh, two weeks ago and, and even before that. What is belief and faith beyond the structures of 
certainty or behavioral imitation or modification. And I wrote y'all into the title of, uh, of this uh, reflection because Jesus is reminding us that this is addressed to a community and to our communities. Let me offer why y'all are here. Because we, we recognize at some level that expressing divinity in the world is a connected endeavor, that we are interconnected, that we need each other, that all living things express the fullness of love. And faith is, is a word that we give to, to this sort of mysterious expression of love. Love in the, in the midst of harsh realities, the realities of crucifixion, the realities of police violence. The kingdom of God is the community embodying a new consciousness. In opposition to the violence of empire, faith is not, is not superiority in some kind of belief system or religion. It's not hope in an afterlife. It's not uh, a new identity to cling to, but it is a, it is a present re- reclaiming of the goodness and value of everything, of life in the midst of harsh realities. The people that are on the underside of oppression and violence. A new consciousness of faith gives us the freedom to have the courage to be fully present with our doubts, our anger, our sadness. I like the, I like the definition by Alan Watts. He says, faith above all is openness, an act of trust in the unknown. Faith is above all openness, an act of trust in the unknown. And trusting in the unknown requires a new consciousness because it, it, it requires, necessitates a healthy level of unattachment, detachment, carelessness. And strangely, I think this uh, is the freedom to simply be, not needing to, to trust in outcomes, to expect outcomes, results, destiny, whatever. It, but it allows us to be present in our lives, to our world, and to our communities. Jesus would say, who has gained a day in their life by worrying? And I prefer, personally, the phrase trust in the unknown or trust in mystery because all concepts of God tell us more about us than they do about God. There was, uh, there was research done in 2009 that essentially showed that people reason egocentrically about others' beliefs using their own beliefs as a guide. So they did experimental neuroimaging And the evidence suggests that people may even be more egocentric when reasoning about religious beliefs. So basically, you create an image of God who has certain beliefs, which then end up being supersized beliefs that you already have, but now give you greater authority because they're God's beliefs, which you just happen to agree with. So this is kind of what we find all the time in conventional Christianity, which is really good at creating uh, a big other to give a variety of assurances Uh, both conscious and unconscious, but what if faith is trusting in the unknown? What is the quality of this consciousness? And I think this is a posture that Jesus is embodying throughout his life, but particularly in the text that we've been reading the last few weeks. Jesus embodies and mentions throughout the, uh, the Epiphany text in particular. And the word that comes to mind uh, today is openness. Faith is, above all, openness, spaciousness, grace, well-being. 
take uh, an example. Think about your body for a second. As we feel this all the time. Uh, think about something that makes you really um, frustrated, tense, uh, annoyed, angry. And think about how your, how your body feels when you feel these emotions, anger, frustration. Is it open or constricted? Now, we can do the opposite. Think of something that brings you rest, peace, joy, freedom. How does your body feel? Does it feel relaxed, spacious, open? So I think this um, connection of faith and openness is really important. Trusting in the unknown and how this correlates particularly to uh, the metaphors of salt and light and what Jesus is talking about kind of the, through the trajectory of the, the call narratives and the invitation on the Sermon on the Mount, that the expansive nature of love is openness. It is a posture towards life. To go back to the phrase, why y'all are here. To be open to love in the midst of the harsh realities of violence and oppression. Freedom to stand in opposition to violence and coercion. Freedom to rest in a culture that is telling us to keep hustling. Free to unplug from a 24-hour news cycle. Faith is openness. Not self-assurance, not self-righteousness, uh, or a worldview or a new religion that needs defending. Because what's there to defend when everything is included? When everything is open? And the posture is curiosity. Perhaps it's something like when Jesus uh, mentions that God is not a secret to be kept. I don't think he's saying going on a mission trip or stand outside of the theater on a milk carton reading the Bible with a megaphone. Uh, when God is fully present and embodied in the forgotten, the unhoused, your very breath, when that's the new consciousness, what's there to keep secret? Everything already is. This is why y'all are here, to be, to exist, to love. And it's interesting that he puts it like this at the end of our text, this um, expression of faith as openness. At the end of the text, it says, keep your house open. Live generous and free. Be open to the experience of others. Be curious, listen, actually listen. This is how we might hear God. Because God is generous. Because you are here. We are here experiencing the goodness, trusting in the unknown, doing this together gives us the courage to be fully human here and now. All right, I think we, uh, I think that's maybe a good place to end it. Um, let me know your thoughts uh, on uh, Sunday if you're around. I'm looking forward to our conversation. And as always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Amen. Amen.